Hello and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and give it a fresh review. See if it holds up to all of the praise and notoriety and sometimes infamy that the film has has garnered over the years. And this week, we're going to take a look at that heartwarming film about a young immigrant coming to the United States and making his way. We're going to review 1983's Scarface. <sighs> one, of, one of your favorite films. I can tell already. Dude, you're blowing it. You're blowing I'm it. Sorry, I haven't even given you the review yet. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't blow it with Holy the... Smoke. You, you didn't blow it with the resigned sigh. Way to give away spoilers for this <sighs> very review. <laughs> that didn't give it away. Okay. Spoilers. Jason hated it. Oh. There, done. Now no one has to listen to the review anymore. You happy? Goodbye, folks. Rosebud was a sled. <laughs> Darth Vader was Luke's father. <laughs> Planet of the Apes was Earth the whole time. Anything else? Bruce Willis was dead. What else? That that dude that that woman was a man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Scarface. The reason we're doing Scarface is because it has become one of those films that has been influential. I wouldn't say necessarily influential in the movies. I don't remember there being a rash of gangster films after Scarface came out in 1983. Do you? No, I don't think so. But it did become influential with certain people that have, um, who love it. Yeah. Love it for its excess and its violence and mostly for the godlike reverence they give to the main character, Tony Ma- Ma- Montana. Montana. Is that his name? Yes. Mon- Montana. 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 Um, and it's kind of gone into, um, it's kind of entered into the cultural zeitgeist. Everyone seems to know what Scar, you know, Scarface is, but I don't know how many people have actually seen Scarface. They know of its reputation. I know it's inspired video games. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I think, was largely Big inspired time. by this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, not to mention, it had its own video games based on that, and uh, a lot of people have been talking about trying to do a sequel, which would be like Scarface Two. Uh, the son of Tony Montoya, uh, Montana, Montana, whatever. <laughs> yeah, son of Scarface. Uh, yeah, it's like, wait, one maybe we must take baby Scarface and give him a baby scar <laughs> so that he can be Scarface too. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this review because you know what? Why not? But we are, people already hate us for all the other things that we've destroyed. Why not do this one too? Exactly. Uh, we, we, got, so, we got to knock these out, man. We got to we, yeah. we got to let the air out of all the balloons. That's <laughs> so. Scarface came out in 1983. It was directed by Brian De Palma, produced by Martin Bregman, screenplay by Oliver Stone. Hmm. Mm. Um, music by well, music. He was the only one playing music in this movie. There was like one synthesizer. But music by Giorgio, I'm gonna Moroder, I guess. Sure, he's famous for his synthesizer music. Cinematography by John A. Alonzo, edited by Jerry Greenberg and David Ray. It was distributed by Universal Pictures, and it starred Al Pacino, Stephen Bauer, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Michelle Pfeiffer, Paul Sheenar, Robert Loggia, Miriam Colon. 
F. Murray Abraham, and Harris Yulin. Wow, look at all the Cubans in that cast. Yeah, I was just going to say, this movie could have been subtitled, Italians Play Cubans. The only one that is actually Cuban is Stephen yeah. Bauer, is Manny Ribeiro. Yep. Everyone else is in brownface. Well, let's just let's just say that. Yeah. We'll get that. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, it follows a proud American cinematic tradition of Italians being cast to play every other ethnic group. Every other much. ethnic group. Budgeted at twenty five million dollars, it made sixty five point nine million on its release. So it, it didn't. It wasn't like a blockbuster. It didn't make a, a you know a gajillion dollars, but it you know it made its money back. I think this mostly uh, this film mostly became known for I think its excess and. Uh, its violence. It kind of had a reputation because of uh, an infinite, infamous chainsaw scene. Mm. I remember that being uh, talked about when I was in intermediate school and high school. That everyone was like, "Did you see Scarface? There's his chainsaw scene," which we'll get to when we when we do the synopsis of the film. Which, oh boy, I'm so looking <laughs> forward to. Steve, any thoughts on Scarface before we do a synopsis on it? It's really long. Oh yeah, 169 minutes. <sighs> Oh, it's boy. all the okay. all the Scarface you could ever want. Yeah. So uh, once again, anyone who hasn't seen Scarface, spoilers. Here comes the synopsis. Oh, and if we can throw in more fucks in this podcast <gasps> than there was in the movie, is um, that even possible? <laughs> I, I think it would just be an entire podcast of us saying fuck. <laughs> At each other, back and forth, as fast as we can. <laughs> try, this movie... Try to fill as much movie, of the next hour with nothing but fucks. This movie got an X rating, not just for language and violence... Well, for language, mostly. They had to cut out a lot of, of fucks. Um, which leads me to a, a something in the synopsis. Actually, very soon in the synopsis, I think the, the reason why one of the scenes is so badly ADR'd because yeah. <laughs> that's where they did the trimming on the fuck content. We're going to attempt to use as many fucks as possible. More, if we can top the fuck count of, I think it's 226 fucks. Mm. Wow. That's right. Steve and I are giving all of our fucks to this <laughs> review of Scarface. We do give a fuck. We do give a we fuck. Will be, we'll be broke at the fuck bank we're gonna, after this is over. We're going to say more fucks than Rambo killed motherfuckers. And this is why you listen to podcasts instead of the radios, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think NPR, do you think Terry Gross do a review of Scarface and fill it with as many expletives as possible? <laughs> no. I'd pay for that. I might even masturbate to it if that was the case. So let's talk but... about this fucking movie. <laughs> why? You, you say well, fuck a lot in this film. Why is that? What's your... Uh, uh, Terry, you don't usually cuss. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> Tell me about your fucking movie before I fucking fuck you in the fuck hole. I've been doing this for huh? 30 fucking years. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. All the fucks I have to give, I've been exhausted. Every fuck that I was going to say on air is coming out now. <laughs> oh, right, we're doing a synopsis. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you fucking did it last time, yeah. so I'm going to fucking do it this time. Fucking go for it. All right. I'm going to start it, and we'll just, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'll do the thing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the fucking movie opens. Um, not only do we get a uh, fucking <laughs> exposition scrawl, but we also get a fucking news footage montage, too, just in case we're that stupid. It's historical and context, man. <laughs> 
No, it's from the three years saying, before the film takes place. <laughs> it's you know how you we just read that Castro was throwing out a whole bunch of people. It was the Muriel uh, boat lift, and basically he threw out a whole bunch of people, and they all fled to Muriel Harbor in all of these boats and apparently he was like this is an opportunity to get rid of all of our criminals as well <laughs> so he dumped a bunch of criminals into the boats and sent them off to Florida they explain that in the opening crawl but then they back it up with actual news footage of the people in the boat lift you know coming to the United States and it's real news footage but instead of criminals they show children mothers, you know, families. And it's like, oh, they're all criminals. Did Trump go back in time and write this? Yes. Wow. I, I just fucking dated the fucking podcast. This is hard. I don't know if I can keep doing you this. You can't keep up this level of fucks? No, I can't. This level of fuck density is hard to fucking carry on. We need to get a fuck bot in here who can come in and just say fucks. <laughs> and even he would run out. My fuck meter is low. I have no more fucks to give. Can I say screw instead? I, no. <laughs> Batteries running low. I'm fucked. <laughs> anyway, so we have that over the opening titles of all the people coming to the United States. And we cut to... Um, oh, and it's all set to disco music, by the way. Awesome. Early 80s. Yeah. Disco music of immigrants fleeing to the United States so awesome <laughs> it's the music that you would hear in your head naturally watching that footage anyway so nothing ruins human drama more than disco music <laughs> on a synthesizer <laughs> go ahead and try it find some disco synthesizer music go to a funeral and see if you're as sad or you know watch watch any kind of horrible human tragedy yeah. and put disco music over it and you're like are they mocking this what exactly. is going on put disco music over the sorrow and the pity or show or something and... yeah why not just take a synthesizer and play it while watching schindler's list yeah. see see if how much it changes the movie imagine that that uh... final scene when he's like I, I i could have gotten more i could have done more and with you know disco mm -hmm. music playing it, it would be really revolutionary yeah so we cut to a scene of our hero and i'm using the biggest quotation marks i can find for hero Tony Montoya, who's part Montana, Mon Montanabolo. Let's just Montana. say him Tony M. <laughs> Tony M. <laughs> he's, he's an and, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he's being held by immigration FBI people. He's being interviewed um, by um, ADR. He's being interviewed <laughs> yeah. by ADR people. And I know it's ADR because that's Charles Durning's voice I hear that is not coming out of Charles Durning. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, all the voices of everyone except Tony is ADR. And some bad ADR, too. Yeah. If you listen to the movie on headphones, it's really apparent that those people are not in the same room. But, um, Steve, you want to take this scene from me? Oh, sure, man. Have fun. <laughs> well, this is my they, gift to you, my friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> they, uh, they're interviewing Tony, and they, they have this crazy idea that he's a criminal, right? Mm, mm -hmm. He says he's not. He's a political mm -hmm. prisoner. He's just running from the communists. And he gives this really he gives an inspiring speech <laughs> about how the, the communists just control every part of your life. They tell you what to do and where to go. And he was just trying to escape from that. You know, he's right. He's he's a political prisoner. And he's come to America for for freedom, which you know, you think yeah. would, would really like 
be, yeah. he's like, be exactly what they How would you like it if hear? there was someone telling you how to live and where to eat? And then he had a weird thing about octopus while they were force-feeding him octopus yeah. three times a day. It's like, isn't that like a delicacy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is, well, you know, I didn't it's know not that, a delicacy if you're eating it three times a day. But like, I didn't know this is information I didn't have. I didn't realize that, that Cuba was so overrun with octopus <laughs> that they were like giving it to <laughs> the to poor Cuba. people. Yeah, oh, here comes the octopus, man. Octopus! <laughs> Get your mandatory octopus! Down with the capitalist octopus! <laughs> Uh, this is also where we um, are introduced to one of the bigger problems of this movie. And do you know what that is, Steve? Uh, there aren't any Cubans in it. Well, that's the first thing. <laughs> well, there, there's one. That's, there's one Cuban. That's one. But the other problem is, hi, I'm an accent. I'm a bad accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Pacino was going for. Yeah, I don't know if he thought that maybe Cuban people talk like they have chalk stuck in the back of their throat or <laughs> whatever it was, but he has this kind of... It's the kind of accent that you would hear in a high school play about Cuban people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the accent because, because this movie has, for whatever reason, become very sort of... Uh, culturally influential when when mm-hmm. pe- when when people do bad imitations of not just Cuban people but any variety of a Hispanic person they're basically yeah. doing the Tony Montana accent what are you what are you talking about man mm-hmm. like that's that's the voice that's the accent everybody does right and uh, I know from my research that Pacino wanted this to be like um, what Streep did in uh, Sophie's Choice. Yeah. So that's that's shooting high, Al. I don't that's know, shooting Al. way high. <laughs> I don't know if you got all of that one, Al. And by the way, this is also the first introduction that we have to Al Pacino's new career path, which is subtle performance Pacino, gone. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that. Everything I do is on ten. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, what happens? Uh, the dudes say, you're a criminal, bye. We're going to send you to Freedom Town. Right? Yeah, and then they're on the bus, and we meet Tony's friend, played by Manny. actual Cuban Stephen Bauer. Manny. Yeah. Also doing an awful accent. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little, there's a bit of levity. A bit of levity. Where, uh... Uh, he says, you know, so what'd you tell him? And Manny says, I told him just what you told me to tell him, that I worked in sanitation. And mm-hmm. and uh, Tony says, I didn't tell you to say you were in sanitation. I said to say you were in a sanitarium, which I guess, ha ha ha. Ollie, I told you to tell them that you were in a sanitarium. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like, was that like a rib or something? Like, did he think he would get into the country easier if he told the guards <laughs> at the border that he had tuberculosis? <laughs> oh, come right in. Come right in. Oh, wait. we're oh, the, the interview, we're, we're missing a, a few key things. Like, oh. number one, it wouldn't be an Oliver Stone film if there wasn't any overt homophobia. That's, yeah, out of nowhere. Like, say, you're not a homosexual, are you? Well, it's kind of like, hey, are you a criminal? No. Did you ever kill anyone? No. You ever rob anyone? No. You you a fag? What? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Yeah, that's literally I take how offense it comes to that, to... sir. <laughs> they equate crime with homosexuality. And what were they going to do if he said yes? Yeah. Well, sorry, you can't come in. Back into the ocean with you. <laughs> Back to the ocean, queer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> so they they wind up in Freedom Town, which is like a tent city in between freeways overpasses, and that's where they're keeping. That's where they're keeping people who they think may be criminals, but they're not really quite sure. It's like right? it's like immigrant purgatory, right? Yeah. And we're told one month later because apparently they've been there for a month. And remarkably, Tony's clothes are not dirty and exactly the same clothes that he was wearing in the previous <laughs> scene. He takes care of himself. Yeah, they must have good laundry facilities. Yeah, they and must. someone there to press his shirt because there's no wrinkles in yep. it. Nothing. <laughs> He's a very well put together man for being of yeah, low like, social status, you know. Exactly. Just because he's in a tent city doesn't mean that he has to look bad, yeah. you know. That's the difference between him and these other, you know, boat dwellers. Right. He knows how to well, present that- a good positive impression. Mm-hmm. So Manny comes up to him and he says, "Hey, I got a way to get out of this this get out of Freedom Town. Um this dude who knows that there's uh, a guy coming into the camp that's been kicked out by Castro and and uh if we if we murder him, then uh, he'll get his green cards somehow." And he's like, "Yeah." And it, oh yeah, and this guy, he's like so evil. He like tortured people in Cuba and he's like, "I'll die. I'm going to sure. I'm going to enjoy it." And they cut to a scene of the guy entering the prison facility, and he couldn't look more evil if he tried. <laughs> he's 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 dressed like kind of like Hannibal Lecter is at the end of Silence of the Lambs when he's like yeah. melting into the crowd. He's got like a like a linen suit, and you know, and he's looking around yeah. like he's expecting someone to try to kill him. Sort of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he kind of looks like a beige tote from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so then we get another uh, exposition text, which explains that there was a riot. And then they show us that there's a riot. Why did we need the exposition text to tell us something that we are immediately seeing? Because they didn't want us to have to say, oh, hey, what is this, a riot? (laughs) The the people they've got, they're burning stuff and and throwing stuff around. Uh, (laughs) Now, what are they all about? (laughs) Must be Christmas for those Cuban people. That's just the way those people are. And so in the chaos, uh, Tony and his friends uh, hunt down this dude, and Tony stabs him a couple of times in the gut, and dude dies, and they get their green cards, and now they're they're free! <laughs> and they get jobs working at a Cuban sandwich shop, and oh boy, if you've never had a Cuban sandwich in, in Florida... Steve, you haven't lived. Those things are those are good. Really, I miss those. Yeah, they're really good. Really, I've never had one. Yeah, they're good. Uh, I just said it three times, I, motherfucker. I, I, fuck. Oh wait, we, we're down on our really? fuck quote. quote. Fuck, 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 fuck. They're fucking awesome. Fuck, they're fucking fuck, great. Fuck, any fuck, fuck, fuck. If if I ever go to fucking Florida for any fucking reason, <laughs> I'll get a fucking Cuban. I'll get sandwich. a fucking Cuban sandwich because you just fucking told me to. Well, and maybe. if it's not as good as you say it is, I'm coming to look for your fucking ass. <laughs> You're just jealous because oh no, I'm not going to give away where you live. I'm not going to do that. Oh. I was just thinking about to. I was going to mention your home state. Oh. And we are doing Scarface, and someone might get really yeah, upset and put you down. Where is that? I don't want to do that. Yeah. But I will say that the state you live in has no food of of note. <laughs> Fuck you. There is nothing in your state where people go. Oh, I wish I could go there to get their patented beans or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We have many fine state cuisines, I will have you know. Name one, dude. <laughs> well, I could name the most famous one, but then that would give it away. 
Possibly. Oh. Actually, maybe not. I don't know. We the people love our crabs. <laughs> that should be on the sign when you <laughs> yes. enter the state. Welcome. People love our crabs. <laughs> you know what? That is new to me, but I don't think that that is the only distinction that that your. I don't think your state is the only state no, that has that distinction. It's not. There are quite a few. I mean, I'm from Northern California. People love our crabs, too. People love crabs we, anywhere you can get them. Yeah, and it's like, they also love our sourdough bread, which is unique to us. So, um, yeah, because I don't care. Come on, Scarface people. You can find me out of a population of 28 million or however many are up here. Um, oh, right. Tony and Manny. So they Tony get green and Manny cards. Are, yeah. yeah, they get green cards. They're working at this restaurant. And Tony hates dishes. He's really doesn't want to be doing yeah. this. He's getting very impatient. But thankfully, Manny, who has, is the guy with all the contacts, apparently. Yeah. Um, uh-oh. Oh, I knew we should the state. <laughs> <laughs> How do they know any of this yet? I'm leaving this in. This is ambiance. And Remember, background noise is flavor. Yeah. It, it, it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> We made it that way on purpose. That's right. We're doing a crime film, so sirens yeah, in the exactly. background. Anyway, so... Fuck you if you don't like <laughs> it. Make your own fucking podcast. You don't like the way we do ours? Actually, if you wanted to, you could have just stuck your head out the window and say, Shut those fucking alarms off! I'm doing a fucking <laughs> hey, podcast! I'm recording it here! <laughs> so, Manny has a hookup with some... Dudes who want to move some marijuana, and uh, that's uh, uh, Omar. Omar. Omar, who is played by F. Murray Abraham, who will go on to do infinitely better things <laughs> than this. Who, once again, is polishing off his horrible accent to play a Cuban. Yep. And, uh, you know, Tony's like, I don't want to do a small-time job for 500 You give me, You give me a better job, and I'm going to be belligerent. And Omar almost pulls a gun on him, and then he does the weird, I like your spunk, kid, yeah. kind of thing. And says, okay, you want to be a big man? Take this job with for the cocaine. <laughs> You're going to go meet some, some Colombians. And Tony says, he, Tony does this a lot. He likes to announce what he does and does not like. Yes. And he's like, I hate Colombians. First it's dishes, now it's Colombians. He hates Castro, too. He hates lots of things. He, this yes. movie should have just been called Tony Hates. <laughs> That's it. So, um, apparently being an asshole works in the organized crime game. It earns you respect. This, yeah. yeah. So he gets, uh, he gets uh, this job. And Manny's like, okay, let's go do the, do this job. And it's about this time that I noticed a couple of things. We're 20 minutes into the film, right? Yeah, yeah. There have been two women in the film. <laughs> they were distant parts. You know, they were just people, girls that they were looking at. And both times they had to mention the woman's tits. It doesn't get much better than that in the rest of the movie, ladies and gentlemen. No, not really. No, not at all. We just they just give the they give those they give the women dialogue later on, but it's still all about, you know, their tits if you, basically. If you if you watch the entire movie, you will eventually encounter female characters who they bothered to yeah. name. But if you're looking for strong female characters, this really is the movie for you. <laughs> nope. 
so um, they are going to meet this Colombian dude in an apartment um, to do the drug deal. And they leave Manny in the car with one other dude, and uh, him and Meat. What, what? Who was it that went up with him? Yeah, I, I can't think of the dude's name. Yeah, other dude. Other dude. Protection. And oh no, the drug deal goes bad, and everyone whips out guns, and now Tony and other dude are all you know, bound up, and they're taking them to the bathroom. And um, then the drug dealer goes to a suitcase, which literally has two bags of cocaine and a chainsaw in it. Yep, because why shoot somebody when you can hack like them this... to pieces with a chainsaw? He went to the Colombian suitcase maker and said, yeah, um, can you make me a suitcase that can fit two kilos of cocaine and a chainsaw, please? You want that for an electrical chainsaw or a gas-powered chainsaw? <laughs> Gas power, oh, please. Excellent. I have one of those right so, here. Uh, the Colombians want to know where the money is, and they're going to they're going to torture it out of him. And so what they do is he whips out the chainsaw and he ties up his Tony's friend into the bathroom. And uh, we cut away to we do this. What De Palma's known for these kinds of shots, these kind of traveling shots. Yeah. Um, and so as he's guy's got the chainsaw up to his friend and he's like, I'm going to do this to this guy and then I'm going to do it to you unless you tell me where the money is. And they cut away to Manny, who's chatting up a blonde girl in his car. Now, I've been around chainsaws. <laughs> You've been around chainsaws too, I, right? I have been around some chainsaws, my friend, let me tell you. Right. Um, this chainsaw is the whisper quiet variety. <laughs> so, so quiet that a TV can drown out all the sounds even from the old lady that we see later that is literally in the next apartment over. Yep. And apparently, not only that, but uh, Tony's compadre being hacked up by the chainsaw, not much of a screamer. Mm-hmm. No, he's got tape on his mouth. That, that'll, that will, that'll, 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 that'll muffle the sound of being hacked up by a chainsaw. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so the drug deal went bad. It went chainsaw bad, <laughs> and and his friend literally gave an arm and a leg to the cocaine business. <laughs> but thankfully, Manny notices that the door's closed and no one's outside, and he's like, uh-oh, something's up, and uh, runs up to the apartment just as Tony is about to get the slice and dice, and uh, gunfire ensues, and uh, Manny gets shot, and uh, Tony chases chainsaw dude down and he chainsaw dude literally rather than leave through the front I can't remember how this happened instead of leaving through the broken glass front door he chainsaws his way <laughs> through a wall yes. over an old woman who's just laying in bed in the middle of the afternoon and out a window Tony chases him and then shoots him in the head in broad daylight <laughs> in the on street. a public street <laughs> in front of 30 onlookers and manages to escape with the coke and the money, and uh, yeah, it's too bad their friend fell to pieces, but you know, what are you going to fucking do? It's business. Hey. Or something. Yeah, you're not here to make friends. No. You're here to make no, money. No, you're not. So, now Tony is like, okay, I want to meet the big boss, Omar. I'm not giving you this. I'm not giving you this money. I want to meet the big boss. And Omar's like, fine. 
Go go go! Put on some suits that you have lying around because <laughs> they are. They get dressed up in suits, yeah. and they go to this big house, and uh, they meet the big boss man, Frank. It's Frank, right? It's Frank. Uh, Frank. yeah, yeah, Frank Lopez. Yeah. Frank Lopez, yeah. played by esteemed Cuban actor Robert Loja. <laughs> oh my God! You know when you talk about brown face. The Loja character comes the closest to being like an offensive racial stereotype when it's like Are that is not me? Robert no, Loja. There's one, there's one coming up oh. even sooner where they didn't even bother trying to do brown face, and we'll get to yeah. her in a minute. Oh um, yeah. So they meet Frank, and wow, Frank's really cool. Yeah, he, he laughs a lot. He gives out great advice. He gives everybody drinks. He's telling Tony, you're going to go far. I want you to work with me. You're going to have lots of money. And I oh, I have a little league team that I'm going to casually mention two or three times. It'll be it'll be awesome. And and uh, oh, and here comes my girlfriend. And um, it's as close to love as Tony can manage at first sight. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is one of the the several instances in this movie where it becomes strangely cartoony. Where, uh, where like, yeah. He sees her. He sees her like for the first time, and like literally, there's like music playing in his head, mm-hmm. and he's like watching her. It's like, wow, did this just turned into a cartoon? Like, and by the way, he he's he's in captivated by her, and he doesn't even see her face. Yeah, she's coming down this this elevator this that they have in that this that Frank has inside of his house. And it's just from her from behind. But we're panning into Pacino as if he's like, oh, I love that, <laughs> inexplicably. And by the way, don't expect it to be any deeper than what it is right now. <laughs> yeah, she... So this is when we meet Elvira Hancock. <laughs> played by Michelle Pfeiffer in her first screen role. Yeah. And um, they all decide that the bestest mob boss ever is going to take them to a five-star restaurant disco, <laughs> as near as I could tell, called the Babylon. And, Which totally um, seems like a place that a guy like Frank Lopez would hang out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, you know, with all these young people dancing in the middle of a, a lot of fluorescent lights. Yeah, and, and it's totally Frank's you know, scene. Frank's constantly laughing and ordering champagne and there's cigars and, hey, dance with my dance with my my girlfriend because I'm that stupid <laughs> and um, you know uh, Tony's attracted to Elvira's boredom and hostility as near as I can <laughs> pretty tell. much because that's all she just doesn't smile she's bored with everything she's got a snippy comment and I guess that t- floats Tony's boat um, and so they they do dance together at the boss's insistence <laughs> and this is where we get Tony's insights, where he's like, hey, and literally he says, hey, you've got a hot face and a great body and you've got beautiful legs and every man in here wants to fuck you. You should be happy instead of a sour puss. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh hasn't yet, he hasn't yet progressed beyond the, the third grade playground level of, mm-hmm. of flirtation and he never really does. But the thing that really fucking irritates me about this is that despite the fact that he literally just equated her to her physical attributes <laughs> only. No, well, oh, that's right. He does say, you know, um, 
But you, it's something, basically, it's you need a good fucking to be happy. You act like you haven't been fucked in like a million years or something. Yeah, he says almost exactly that, I think. And she's like, you're, you're the help, you, I hate you, you're horrible, you're disgusting. And that's when I realized, oh shit, not this trope. Anything but this trope. Not the they hate each other trope. Yeah. And they're gonna fall in love. But that's exactly what this trope is. He's awful and she's awful and <laughs> they both hate each other and they have no reason to be together at all whatsoever. He's an ape and she is broken beyond all belief. Yeah. And they hate they openly they're openly aggressive. But yeah, she, when, well she's openly aggressive. He's whatever he is. <laughs> His version of solicitous at first mm-hmm. yeah but you're right she she never appears to even like him a little at all no in, at no. at any point in this movie she loathes mm. him from the moment she meets him and yet somehow yeah. they wind up together for some reason yeah. it, maybe it's because he i don't know says awful things to her and treats her like she's an object <laughs> from day one and is generally a horrible unredeemed person <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then we cut from this scene to what is again another horrible scene where we get pro dating tips from Manny. <laughs> where they're at the beach and he's like, all you got to do is waggle your tongue at American bitches and they'll be all over you. And then we have this pointless scene where he tries to hit on a woman and. Tony Montoya walks up to kids and talks to them yeah. out of the blue. He's like, watch my friend over here. He's going to try to, you know, sexually assault this woman. <laughs> yeah, watch this, kids. <laughs> and the mother's just sitting there smiling at him, going, oh, look at this stranger walking up and talking to my kids, yes. sitting down next to him like he knows them. <laughs> and Manny goes up and he waggles his tongue at a woman and she slaps him. And I guess it's supposed to be super funny. Yeah. But again, let me reiterate, this is a nearly three hour movie. I know. This scene had so, to be in there. Stop. So then Tony's like, I'm going to get the boss's boss's girl. And Manny's like, that's stupid. And he's like, nah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm doing nothing, it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. So then they cut immediately to Tony picking her up ostensibly to take her to go see Frank. Right. right. And we get more of the quippy, I hate you, you have no taste, your car is horrible, get out of my face, you're, you're awful and I hate you. And then Tony goes, you hate my car. And they literally go to a store called Porsche Boutique. <laughs> where he's going to get a, a sports car. And he's like, you like this better? And she's like, yep. <laughs> and uh, okay. then he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, you, Manny, you take care of this. I'm going dr- to drive her someplace. And they get back in the Cadillac, and then he sexually assaults her. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much it. He forces a kiss on her. Yeah. She knocks him back. And this is, I, I take this back. There is a moment where she laughs at his antics when he puts on her hat. Right. Because I guess that's charming. I, again, it's as close as he gets. Yeah, it's as close as he gets. He's like, I'm going to stick my tongue down your throat, and you're going to love me now. <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene ends. And it's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> because we immediately go to... Now, at the beginning of the thing during his interview, he told the immigration people that um, he his father was dead, his mother was dead, yeah. he had no family. Oh, that was a lie. 
Gotcha. And he's he's been back making his money in the crime thing, and, and it's six months later, and he shows up at this tiny house, and oh, it's his mother. And I'm going to only say it because the script says it's true. His sister. <laughs> Clearly a close genetic relative. They look nothing alike. These three people could not be more different if you tried. She's like, I kind of look like you. And it's like, no, you don't. You're not even the same skin tone. They didn't even bother to make you look ethnic at all. You are as white as white can be. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look up a, uh, 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 what's her name? Mary first? Elizabeth what? Mastrantonio. Mary, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio as Gina. Gina Tony Montana. Montoya, Al Pacino's sister. <laughs> and this is what I was talking about, that they didn't even do brown face. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that Gina's accent... She has an on-again, off-again relationship with it. <laughs> She's not committed to it. No, it's there, and then sometimes it's not there. Um, anyway, so Tony comes back, and he's like, Hey, look, money. <laughs> and uh, Mama's like, No, who did you kill now? And he's like, I haven't killed anybody. And Which is, of course, a yeah. lie, because we just saw him kill he's somebody. He's killed tons of people. And she's like, No, I'm done with you. Get out. I don't want to see you no more. But, of course, Gina is like, I love my brother. Yay! <laughs> And Manny sees her, and he's like, ha ha. <laughs> and Tony's like, you stay away from her, or I'll kill you, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not for you. Tony does, she's, he seems to have an unhealthy... She's for the beast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's saving her for. He, he has an unhealthy attachment to his sister. Let's put it that way. He's nothing but unhealthy attachments <laughs> all over the place. He has an unhealthy attachment to everything. He's a fucking glue trap of a human being. <laughs> and people who get stuck to him die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? I've been talking so much. It's up to you. You're doing it now. I'm done. Oh, Fuck wow. it. I don't want to do it. This is making me angry. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, so he yells. So Mama don't like him. He. So where we go he now? Yell, yeah. He yells at Manny for even even seeming kind of attracted to his sister. Um. Mm-hmm. Then, then next uh is the scene where he goes to Bolivia, right? That's right. He, and we know it's Bolivia because there are plan pan flutes in the soundtrack. <laughs> Bolivia. Um, and he's there with Omar, the aforementioned F. Murray Abraham, and he is um, apparently they've only been sent there by Frank just to buy some coke. But mm-hmm. but then the uh, the kingpin Sosa that they go down there to to meet pitches. Yeah. That... Oh, by the way, another bad accent because half the time he sounded like Count Dracula. Yes, <laughs> he's in the Romanian Welcome. part of. Welcome to my cocaine factory. <laughs> I bid you welcome. <laughs> you know, Tony, it's not true what they say about vampires. Tony, my friend, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, so yeah, fuck me, fuck, fuck, fuck you. me, fuck you. <laughs> Blair. Um, so anyway, I have not lived five hundred years to be talked to in such a way by a filthy monkey. <laughs> Renfield, oh, Renfield's telling me someone's on the phone. <laughs> Sosa pitches uh, to Omar, well, and to Tony, because Tony's there, and Tony keeps trying to kind of take over the meeting, even though technically Omar yeah. is supposed to be in charge. Uh, and Omar don't like that. Omar don't like that at all. Um, no. 
Tony, uh, no, come on, it's F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. You know, he he speaks even when he's doing this horrible accent. You can't get past his awesome voice. Oh, he's yeah. F. Murray Abraham has probably one of the most awesome voices ever totally. in anything of all time. And um, man, it hurts to watch him in this totally. movie. Totally, he's one of those actors that I'm I, I'm always happy to see him in things, and most of the mm-hmm. time, I'm also sad that he is in this movie. Because he almost always works beneath his talent level. I mean, there there, there are a number of movies, oh. including a Star Trek movie. Yes, and Star Trek is dear and dear to our hearts, ladies and gentlemen. But oh, I could have lived without seeing him in a Star Trek movie, yeah. especially that Star Trek movie. It's not a it's not a career highlight for F. Yeah, Murray. and he has a knack for being in a number of movies that it's just like, oh, like, uh, dude, you should be like. You should be a legend. <laughs> exactly. Because he is an amazing actor. And yeah, so yeah. so Omar is supposed to be in charge, and he's been sent down to Sosa just to buy some Coke. And Sosa says, hey, why don't we have this, why don't we have like a, make a deal where we can have like an ongoing distribution thing where I'll, you'll buy so much Coke, or, or Frank Lopez will buy so much Coke for me every month, and I'll ship it up, and we can split, you know, the, the risk and the cost of distribution. And and Tony is like all about this. He's like, oh yeah, and he, oh, yeah. he's haggling with him over the price and giving him a bunch of shit about how you know he's going to have to pay more than what he wants to pay. And, and he's really like getting into it. And Omar is kind of like, whoa, hang on, yeah. Frank only sent us down here to buy some coke. We're not and authorized that's what to, we're gonna yeah, do. yeah, exactly. Um, and that's when that's when Sosa gets uh, Renfield shows him that there's someone on the phone. <laughs> yes, for him. the the very important phone call, which isn't <laughs> suspicious at all, even though they immediately end the meeting when Sosa comes yeah, back. Yeah, and he says, "I'm going to send you away now." But Tony can stay here. Not suspicious at all. <laughs> and Omar is like, "Well, that sounds great." And since you're definitely not going to murder me in the next few minutes, I'll just go away quietly. Which, is which he does exactly what? Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't go away quietly. He's screaming when they kill well, him. Well, he, ultimately, he's not very quiet. But he leaves the premises. Yeah. Like I'm going to so take Sosa's a helicopter like, ride. Awesome. Yeah. So says like I'm going to deal with you, Tony, because I like you. I'm sorry. I'm going to make the deal with you, Tony, because I like you. <laughs> you seem like my kind but, of guy. Meanwhile, I'm going to murder someone where everyone can see me murder him by murdering him high up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hey, Tony, here, look through these binoculars. Check it out. And uh, apparently the story is Sosa has received information that that Omar is an informant. Uh, right. So he says, "I'll just take care of this shit myself," <laughs> and and, mm-hmm. he, and they they basically you know tie a noose around his neck and chuck him out of the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Meanwhile, children in the village next door are like, "Mama, should we call the police? The vampire has hung someone from a helicopter yes. again. Count Sosa has struck again. <laughs> Count Sosa. <laughs> I deus mio." No, if we call the police, he will haunt our village at he is night powerful. take our children. He is powerful enough to walk in the day. <laughs> we dare not challenge him. So, Tony returns home and tells Frank what, what went on. He's like, yeah, you know, Omar died and I did something that you told me not to do. That you can't afford. <laughs> I, I, I arranged this thing that you can't afford. And good old happy Frank, who's been laughing this whole time, um, is not happy anymore. And he's like, you're supposed to do what I do. Basically, this scene boils down to, I'm the boss. For now. Bye. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That's the whole scene. Pretty much. 
And, you know, Frank clearly has a bright future. Right. (laughs) And so now we cut to what is perhaps the most perplexing scene in the film. Um, Tony goes up to Elvira, who's sunning by the pool, and proposes to her. In what is what? Like their third scene together in the whole movie? (laughs) It's their third time. As near as I can tell, it's the second time they've seen each other. Or third Third time time they've seen seen each other. They've had, when they went out with Frank to go dance, and then the time that they went to go pick up a car and he sexually assaulted her. And now this scene, where he walks up and says, let's have a drink, and Frank's not going to be around forever, and I want to marry you. And she's not, uh upset or incredulous she's just like well you know frank and he's like don't worry about frank i'm gonna take out frank <laughs> i talked to a vampire and you know <laughs> we're gonna, i'm gonna be powerful. Me and this vampire are tight now <laughs> yeah you know once you get vampires that's how it goes first you get the vampires <laughs> then you get the money then then you get the women and you're the women so come on that's what the vampires said <laughs> i got the vampires i got the money so come on <laughs> Let's go. Come on. And she's like, okay, for no reason. These people have shown no affection to each other at all. In fact, I don't think they ever do. And they have no chemistry. Like, there's no tension between them. It's There's Mm -mm. nothing. There's nothing. Do you know they wanted to cast Glenn Close in that role? I've heard that. They fought. They didn't want uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in that role. Yeah. They wanted Glenn Close. Boy, I'm glad Glenn Glenn Close was not in this movie. Oh, God. They they almost F. Murray Abrahamed her. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, fuck, no. <laughs> so, um, they They go back to the, they're, they're in the nightclub again. Yeah, he goes, him and Manny go yeah. back to the nightclub. And uh, this is when we notice that I think Tony has a mental condition that is unique to Tony. And that is... Whenever he sees Gina with another man, he hears synthesizer music. <laughs> yes, he—it's he, like the uh, the sirens that the bride hears in uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah but but less—it's more tonal. It's more like and not nearly as exciting yes. as the Kill Bill music. Um. <laughs> But used to kind of the same effect. Yeah, so... His... To indicate, uh-oh, Tony's feeling something. <laughs> now, for me, I personally think, is that his erection noise? Yes. Is he getting excited? Oh, no. The forbidden <laughs> feelings are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> she is my yeah, sister. I cannot do this. <laughs> this is wrong. Yeah. Everyone agrees. <laughs> we have these cultural be- taboos for a reason. <laughs> Before he can do anything, he gets accosted by, uh, what's the cop, the dirty cop's uh, name? Bernstein. Bernstein. Yeah, Bernstein. Bernstein. And Bernstein's like, hey, uh, I'm a bad cop, and <laughs> I've got a squadron of awful cops. Oh, here's my milk. Yeah. I'm going to drink my milk now. He pretty much introduces, he, he, he mm. does everything but hand Tony a business card that says crooked yeah. cop on it. <laughs> he writes down a thing and he says, hey, you pay us to do this and we'll help you out. And Tony's like, I don't need nobody. Uh oh, my sister. <laughs> and so then the cop goes, Here, you're going to do this whether you like it or not because we can make things easy for you, make things hard for you. And Tony don't like that. Tony don't like it when people tell him how things are going to go. Tony has a That's real problem with thing. authority. 
Yeah, he does. <laughs> he he won't. What happens? Uh, oh, uh, the cop leaves. The cop leaves, and then Gina goes off with the dude that she's dancing. Yeah, with. to the men's room because the guy, to the, the guy she's dancing room. with, is that much of a class act. Yeah, to snort coke and I guess do it in a men's yeah, stall. Class. And Tony has his freak out, runs in there, throws the guy out, and beats up his sister. Yep. That's how it should have gone, really. Our hero, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and she gets hit hard. I know, don't get me wrong. She gets hard, really hard, and gets knocked to the ground. But it's almost as if he hit her brains right out onto the floor. Because after she gets up, she like, doesn't know where she is. Yeah. She's like mumbling incoherently. Yeah. She obviously had a concussion. Or something. But Mandy, Manny bundles her up and stuffs her in a car and drives her home. In which he then proceeds to act like the mother in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Where he's like, he only hits you because he cares about you yeah. so much. And then we get the uh-oh thing where, uh-oh, Manny and Gina, they actually kind of have chemistry together. I think they like each other. Remember what Tony uh-oh. said. She's not for him. She's for uh, Tony, I guess. <laughs> I believe Tony's exact words were, she's not for Jew. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony stays at the the disco diner and um, he's uh, shaken because he hit her. Yeah. So he's not having I mean, the best night. He, no, he's not having the he's best night. He's had a few night. drinks. Got, he got a shakedown from a cop. He got in a fight with his boss. He had to beat up his sister. <laughs> it was a real plot-filled evening yeah. this evening at the Babylon. And now, and now Richard Belzer is the stand-up comedian doing what is possibly the worst stand-up routine I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. And then he introduces a nightmare <laughs> for the next <laughs> yes. act. What the hell is that? I don't know, but it was... What was the song? Some Enchant... No, it's Strangers in the Strangers Night. Strangers in the uh, Night, yeah. A person comes out dressed like a hobo with this mask on and a hat, and they're not even dancing. They just seem to be stumbling around this stage staring at people. And I'm like, wow, Coke must have been yeah. really good back in the it 80s didn't for even, this to be entertaining. It didn't even matter what the entertainment was. They had Richard Belzer up there <laughs> doing lame Cuban jokes, which I'm sure goes... I know. Go, it went over great. Yeah. And then this weird clownish guy it was, mm-hmm. yeah it's what the fuck and tony is like in like transfixed by this he's like i know he's just like oh thank goodness for this bizarre scene because now i you're, it takes my mind off of the beating i gave my sister <laughs> yeah you know what it's not so bad yeah but as much as i hated the act in in the nightclub two other guys hated it yes. more. <laughs> <laughs> two guys who um Boy, uh, they have submachine guns. They have Uzis. And you couldn't... They couldn't be more obvious that they have Uzis because they take them out, put them on the table, and just cover them with napkins. Yeah. Don't they do that twice? Don't they take them out and then, like, put them away and then yeah, take they them re- back out? Yeah, they rearrange them. Yeah. yeah, they rearrange them and something like that. And they, they open fire at Tony and blow the entertainer away first, which is why I think they just yeah. wanted the, the show to end. We're going to kill like, this guy no too, right? <laughs> Everyone freaks out and runs away. Tony kills both of those dudes. Um, shoots him in the legs. And shoots him in the legs. Shoots one in the chest. 
and then lights fall on the other guy. And he gets in his car and he gathers up his men because he figures, you know, Frank did it. Frank, Frank, Frank wants him dead. And uh, now I'm not going to be able to uh, be able to uh, handle that. I, it's time for Frank to go. So what happens next? <laughs> well, he he tells one of his friends for some reason to call Frank's office at precisely 3 a.m. and just tell him that, you know, he got away. Or that the, the yeah, hit that was they unsuccessful. Yeah, they fucked up and they got away. Yeah, exactly. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because by the time the call comes in, Tony has already sort of let the cat out of the bag that he's not yeah. very happy with Frank. So when the call comes right. in, it's not like there's a big, you know, moment where it's like where Frank is like, uh-oh, Tony knows, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, <laughs> Tony obviously knows, like, from the moment he walks in. But Frank's there bragging with his about his Little League team. With uh-huh. with the previously seen crooked cop uh, Bernstein there, yeah, Bernstein, Bernstein, and uh, Tony basically, uh, you know, lets Frank know what's about to happen, right, and then that's what happens, <laughs> right. And, uh, basically, uh, Tony lives the American dream of killing his boss. And shooting a cop. Yeah, yeah. Frank <laughs> begs for Tony to to let him go, and he promises, like, yeah. if, well, I I have ten million dollars I can give you just as soon as I get out of the country, where you won't be able to find me. <laughs> I promise I'll give you ten million dollars. And Tony ends up right. shooting him, and then he sh- and then you- no, Tony doesn't. Oh no, that's shoot right. Him. Tony Manny, says, yeah. "Oh, I won't kill that's you." Right. He has Manny He's- do it. So then he wakes up uh, Elvira, and he's like, "Hey, I just murdered Frank." <laughs> Yeah, Frank is Frank is dead. You're my girl now. I'm going to go outside and look at this conveniently placed blimp of foreshadowing. Yes, the 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 blimp that for some reason says the world is yours. Yeah, there's a blimp outside of the house as he's looking through the window that says the world is yours. And I think later on it says Pan Am. It's an advertisement yeah. for Pan Am. And I'm kind of like, wow, they should fire those advertisers. They're like, I've got it. We'll increase people flying on Pan Am if we rent a Goodyear blimp that just flies around saying that crap. <laughs> to rich people. Right. That must mean something. Let's fly Pan Am. Um, and then we get... We get the uh, business is booming montage. montage. <laughs> we get a montage with the most 80s of 80s songs you could possibly 80s and it's all money marriage and uh you know going to the bank going to the bank duffel bags full of cash (laughs) yeah and oh and and he uh he buys gina a salon yeah and we know because the signage outside says gina montana's salon (laughs) Great business name, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody will suspect anything. Nope, but if they didn't put Gina Montana's salon on the outside, us dumb audience members wouldn't know what's going That's on. That's right. We might just assume from the shot of Tony and Gina standing happily outside the front of it that Gina merely worked for the salon. Or, or Tony and Gina got married. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is, yeah. <laughs> which is a possibility, hmm. but uh, he gets married and he gets a big house with a tiger. Yeah. The tiger he always wanted. Yeah. Boy, those are dreams. I always wanted a tiger <laughs> to be chained yeah. up and miserable outside my house. The tiger that can now enjoy a 10-foot a radius of Tony's sprawling <laughs> property. 
uh, once the awful song is over, um, guess what, Steve? What, Jason? Elvira's bored again. Oh, no. She's not happy in her marriage to that guy she never liked? Yeah, the guy she never liked and was bad to her. Guess what? He's still bad to her, and she's bored again and back to her snippy self, except now she's doing a lot more cocaine. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be taking the edge Uh, off as much as she probably hopes, huh? Yeah. (laughs) But he can't really worry about her so much because uh, he's got to get arrested for uh, a violation of the RICO Act. Yeah, he shouldn't really be counting his money like that in front of cameras. Yeah, he really shouldn't be Yeah, in front of the obvious camera in the clock. (laughs) Hey, how come there's no 12 on that clock? How come the 12 on that clock has a lens <laughs> and it's zooming in on me? I can hear it going. So now Tony's been busted and uh, they've got him. They, he gets a lawyer and he says, hey, I can get you off the the money laundering thing. But the tax evasion stuff. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, they, they have you on camera, dude. You're going to jail for five years. And Tony is like, nope, that no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm no, that's not going to happen somehow. And this is the part that I don't understand. He posts his bail, right? Yeah. Five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the first, now, this is just me, a curse, I've never been arrested. Um, what is the thing that they tell people when they post bail and their pending trial? Don't uh, leave town. Don't, don't leave town. Tony goes to Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> like, Immediately. Like immediately, because Count Sosa has got a problem, and that problem is is that there's a journalist who's already been on television. Yeah. Okay, he's already been on TV. He's already divulged all this information about Sosa and the Bolivian government and about our government involvement and drug deals and all this stuff. But apparently, Sosa's really worried that this guy's going to go on sixty minutes. And also talk to the U.N. Um, but the cat is pretty much out of the bag if because he brings him in and they show him a TV show in which the guy's already talking. And it's like, okay, you do know that he's already this is already broadcast. There's nothing you can do at this point. You can't shut him up because he's already done it. Well, not only what not is a, the point? not only that, but for for Sosa's plan to make sense. Uh, we would have to assume that the, the journalist that he wants to kill is the only person who knows any of this stuff. Like he didn't, exactly. he didn't tell anybody. He doesn't have files. Yeah. Like no, we we kill well, you this know, guy. That's how journalists work. Journalists don't work for anyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kill this one guy, and all our problems yeah. are over. Yeah, and so he you basically he brings Tony and he says, "Hey, I come. You're never going to go to jail, but if you do this thing." Where you act as an escort for my hitman because he doesn't speak any English. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You have to go <laughs> to New York and take Renfield <laughs> with you. He is a wonderful killer, but he doesn't speak the yeah. language. Right, and it's impossible for someone who speaks Spanish to get around <laughs> yeah, in America. Right. He would be totally lost. Only you, Tony Montana. Only you. Apparently, if you don't speak English, your brain shuts down. <laughs> right. I couldn't possibly just give him instructions and trust him to carry out the task. 
And I also don't have anybody that works for me that apparently speaks English, even though I'm speaking English to you right yes. now. And several other people have as well. Only you, the angry, unstable crime kingpin that I kind of work with, <laughs> are capable of doing this for me. And Tony's like, okay, if you can make my problems go away, awesome, I'll do this thing. And yeah, and also, despite the fact that I have not just one scary hitman, but another scary hitman, <laughs> and apparently a small army of people. Yeah. Hmm. I need to get Tony to do I just it, like right, you, Tony? Tony. I want to do you a solid. <laughs> so Tony agrees. So now he's left town again because he comes home from Bolivia <laughs> and then goes. Now, here's the deal. He's under indictment for money laundering. He's a suspected drug dealer and tax evasion. But I, apparently that's as far as the government's going to go. He's not under constant surveillance. Nope. <laughs> no, not at all. He comes back home. He says, hey, I've got to go to New York. And Manny's like, really? You're going to tell me why? Nope. Okay, <laughs> you got to go. Bye. They go to New York, and they're all waiting to see this journalist come out. And they <laughs> plant a bomb under his car, and then... They wait for him they, in a car, like, three feet away, the most obvious yeah. hitman ever. And apparently, he when once the bomb's in the car, he has to stay within ten yards of the car. Yeah. In which case, I'm like, oh, so all of you are yeah. going to die in the explosion. <laughs> it's a very small bomb, I guess. But, oh, no, the journalist is getting in the car with his wife and kids. And then, out of, completely out of character, Tony goes, no, I can't do this. This is awful. <laughs> yeah. He's Hold up a minute, movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're going to try to get me to believe that this person who has murdered his way to the top Gives a fuck about killing a wife. We've seen him beat his own sister and threaten her life. And just seem kind of bummed about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's not going to kill the wife and two little kids. And he gets so upset about it that he shoots Renfield in the head. And that was not part of the no. deal. <laughs> no, no. Murdering Renfield was definitely not part of the deal. <laughs> You killed Renfield, Tony. That oh, was wait a minute. I'm sorry. We skipped over something major before he goes back to New York. We missed oh. Tony's life crisis at the upscale restaurant. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Where uh, he uh... Tony is in a in his in a tuxedo eating at a highfalutin restaurant with Elvira and Manny. And can you explain what happens in this scene? Um. She finally basically tells him kind of what she's told him all along <laughs> that she hates him yeah. and and she's and, and she's leaving. Right. And she walks out on and him. And then she does. Yeah, and then, yeah, she leaves. <laughs> she walks out on him and Tony is on his way out too, but but he, before he leaves, he he gives the other patrons of the restaurant a nice little show. Yeah, he's he's like I'm the you need me because I'm the bad guy. So what does that make you? I really wanted someone to say a good guy. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> like you have never murdered dozens of people <laughs> to right. get to the top of a criminal empire. Like you have any room to judge. You show me somebody who hasn't beaten their sister or threatened their life because they wanted to have fun. I'm no different from you. 
Yeah. And then he goes to and New then York. He goes to New Sorry York. about that, We're audience. There. We got things. We mix it up the plot. Sorry. Yeah, and don't, also don't forget that he he doesn't just express you know some uncharacteristic dismay at the thought of blowing up the the wife and the child with the journalist but he again yeah. this is a point where the movie turns into a cartoon he he openly mutters about it for like five minutes before he finally decides After, well, yeah. to shoot renfield well here's the thing he has to say these things out loud about how this is too much how this is too bad how i can't do this blah 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 because this change in character does not make sense right he, they literally had to write the dialogue into the script. Otherwise, people are like, well, where the hell is this coming right. from? Why did he up and decide to, to be a good guy all of a sudden? And apparently, that's his limit. He doesn't kill women or, or yeah. children. Well, thanks for telling us directly. right before that became relevant movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I guess he's a nice guy now. <laughs> <Or something. laughs> There's one horrific crime he won't commit. He gets back home. He flies home, and uh, Manny's gone, Uh-oh. and oh, Gina's gone. I'm sure that's not Elvira's connected. Yeah, Elvira's still gone, and he's like, "Well, I gotta go find Gina." So he goes visits his mother, and his mother's like, "I got an address. Here's the address." But she's like, "You, she told me to go fuck myself." What did this mother do to deserve these, these two? The worst kids ever. And um. <laughs> Then they give her this dialogue, which does not need to be in any movie, where, as he's leaving, she's like, Why do you have to destroy everyone in your life, Tony? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you have to state the theme so obviously, Mom? (laughs) (laughs) You are ruining the subtlety of the movie, Mother! Okay, you have to do. You have to do the next oh, scene. Oh, okay. I can't, yes. <laughs> you I don't. Can't. This. You do. <laughs> Look what you've done to Jason, Scarface. <laughs> you Look what you've done to my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> you listen to this, Scarface, and you listen good. Uh, you need to hear. Yeah, it. movie that we've anthropomorphized. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I know it listens to this podcast. Um, so okay, so uh, Tony goes to uh, actually no, he goes he goes home right, and he gets the phone call from Sosa. Yeah, and Sosa's like, "I you didn't do what I told you to you do, now, you fucking monkey." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Tony's basically like, he makes one of again one one of his totally characteristic bad decisions. Where he's basically yeah. like, okay, omnipotent drug kingpin, I'm going, <laughs> go ahead, do your worst. I don't, I don't sweat you. Yeah, we're going to war. And, and like, bye. And you can tell, like, <laughs> no, actually, he's yelling it into a phone after the dude is hung yeah, up. Yeah, and the, his his lieutenants are in the room looking like, oh shit, he's done it now. Time for a job change. <laughs> I'm gonna update my resume. I'll be. I'll be with you guys in a minute. Um, and, then, and, and then that's when Tony, after that, then he goes to the where he thinks the Gina address is. that his mama gave him where Gina is. And who should answer right. the door but Manny in right. a row. Uh-oh. So you, the music's back. Yes. <laughs> He's getting his boner again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I better kill Manny before he sees it. So I think, doesn't he, it's... Doesn't he remind 
Manny that he said he would kill him and then no no dialogue is exchanged yeah, yeah. it's just ominous sound shoot twice in the gut sorry Manny and he does it when he sees his sister come up on the balcony and she's wearing a bathrobe and she seems inexplicably happy to see him even though yeah. how could you have not seen this coming <laughs> I mean, she literally comes out and she's like, oh, Tony, hey. And then she's like, oh, shit. Like, how mm-hmm. could you how could you react to the knowledge that Tony has just entered the home where you've been fucking his best friend? He hasn't entered the home. He's still in the <laughs> yes, doorway. With, with anything other than just abject terror. And she, So now Manny's dead. Poor Manny. The only actual Cuban in the film is dead. <laughs> And it turns out, oh, they got married the day before. They just hadn't told Tony yet. They were saving it for a surprise. Yeah, surprise, Tony. We're married. Oh, by the way, hey, Tony, this is your number one guy, Manny, your best friend, the guy you've known forever, the guy who takes over the business when you're off on your New York trip, the person that, you know, you probably spend the most time with. How come you don't know where he lives? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've never seen this house before. <laughs> How come you don't know the address of your best friend? You know, Tony Manny always comes over to his place. I guess. <laughs> so the henchmen go, boss, this is bad. We gotta go. And so they grab Gina, who is uh, having her third act Ophelia moment. <laughs> yes. And, um... She's screaming and weeping, and Tony's stunned because he's done something awful. (laughs) And he goes back to his mansion, and he's so upset that he doesn't notice that Bolivian ninjas (laughs) are scaling his walls and getting onto the compound. Turns out that Count Sosa has dispatched his Bolivian ninja army... To come kill him <laughs> instantaneously, by the way, because it's the same night. It's yep. the same night. He calls dude. Dude is in Bolivia, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure this out. He calls dude, and then he's like, "I gotta go. I gotta go find my 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 sister." In the, I'm go. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. In the hour that he's gone, <laughs> Bolivian dude goes. What are where are our armies now? Well, we have one in Arizona. We have one in Chicago. Do we have one in Florida? Yeah, we have like five. Okay, get all of them there and kill Tony Montagna. Text them the address. <laughs> Text them the address. They can Google it. But uh, you, but there's like you have to believe that he has this army of what fifty oh, there's, people? Yeah, it's on standby with hooks. <laughs> And ropes to my climb feeling, that they've been training? My feeling is, okay, Count Sosa is obviously a smart, resourceful guy. From the moment he mm-hmm. enters business with Tony Montana, he has to know that this is going to go south eventually. <laughs> so he has these ninjas on standby, and all he has to do is make <laughs> one phone call and say, hey, it's a go. They know exactly what to do. No, I'm just going to say this. If anyone watches this movie after us and they get upset that there aren't actually ninjas in the movie, I'm only saying they're ninjas because the first time we see them, they're dressed all in black and they're scaling a wall. After that, they're all dressed like 
you know, yeah. t-shirts. Technically so don't, not. Don't, don't get mad at us when 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 you watch the movie and you're like, they said there were ninjas. There are no ninjas in this movie. Yeah. I would have loved it if they were actually that would have yeah it would have elevated this whole thing (laughs) would have redeemed this whole movie if it had been ninjas at the end anyway so Tony's still upset and he goes up to his office and he takes Gina to a room yeah that she gets really upset about for some reason. What did she get upset about? They're going to drug her something, or something? Yeah, he, I forget. He says something to her, and she, she is taken screaming from his office. Yeah, uh, and he goes in his office, and he's snorting <laughs> the biggest mountain of coke ever. He consoles himself with a small portion of cocaine. And I would like to interject that Oliver Stone has stated that he wrote this script while in France while trying to quit cocaine. And there is a huge amount of cocaine use in this movie. He is movie. clearly working through some issues still as he reaches yeah, this point of But if of he had been play. trying to quit chocolate, everyone would be addicted to chocolate in this movie. <laughs> and, and Tony would have been Farce snorting you'll cocoa. you'll get the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, then it would have been Count Chocula. <laughs> You've got to push my cereal <laughs> on the little children. The journalist is going to reveal how much hydrogenated corn oil is in the cereal. I don't want people knowing that I don't make it with cocoa butter anymore. (laughs) So, um, he's snorting coke, and then Gina shows up in, in his office, and she's still just wearing a robe, except now it's untied. And she's all like, hey, you want to fuck me? (laughs) (laughs) And Tony's like, yeah, whatever, you don't. And he doesn't really take her seriously until she starts shooting at him with a gun (laughs) that she found someplace. And then he shoots her in the leg. And it's at that. And I'm thinking at this moment, there is, okay, one of the ninja dudes is outside of his balcony window listening to all of this. And I'm kind of like, oh, sweet. Ninja guy should signal all the rest of the ninja people uh, that Tony is about to get killed and they don't have to do anything. (laughs) Oh, hang on, guys. Yeah, hang on. It looks like his sister's going to take care of this (laughs) for us. Nope. She's shooting and then dude busts in screaming (laughs) and shooting a machine gun and mows her down. She gets hit like 50,000 times. And then Tony kills him. And then uh, sees his notice that uh, you know the the compound's getting stormed, and then he has a tender moment with Gina's corpse. <laughs> yes, where he lets us know that he loves her because he says it to her corpse. <laughs> I love you. Come back. Oh, you're not. I. Maybe that's it. Maybe Tony Tony doesn't understand what death is. <laughs> No, you know, I you know, I shoot, I shot Frank twice, and he went to sleep. That's what that's what shooting him is. Nobody right? wake Frank up. I want to take over his Please, business before he wakes up. He needs some rest. <laughs> Good night, Frank. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it's really amazing that God gave us these machines that put people to sleep all the time. <laughs> he, 
it's almost as good as that sleep knife I used on that guy in Freedom Town. <laughs> Whenever he kills someone, he quietly tiptoes out of the room and shuts off the light. <laughs> Closes the door very quietly. Pleasant dreams, my friend. <laughs> See you tomorrow. I... Yeah, look, they used a sleep rope on Omar to hang him from the helicopter. How can he sleep that way? does not look comfortable. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Anyway, so then he gets... He gets a machine gun with a grenade launcher on it, and all of his henchmen get killed, and Tony uh, starts blowing people up and shooting people with his machine yes, he gun. he invites them... Rather cordially, I felt, to say hello to his little friend. Yes, the the titular line that is not funny anymore and not clever. Yeah. The only reason it's really funny in the movie at all is because you know that he's like five minutes from being killed. And it's just like, ha ha, you idiot. (laughs) Your bravado is ridiculous. But it gets more ridiculous. Because at one point he gets shot... He drops his gun, and he proceeds to become the invincible bullet sponge. Yes. Even that, I take your bullets! I take your bullets! Yeah, I take your bullets! You keep shooting me! And people are shooting him with high-caliber high caliber assault rifles. All oh, those don't and knock he's you getting, down. You no, know, they don't get... You don't get knocked down. You don't get the wind knocked out of you. If you get shot directly in the chest, your lungs don't no. collapse. You can continue to scream and, and have all of this bravado. In which he's like, God, that's right, you, 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 I'm Tony Montoya, no, Montana, Mon- whatever. Whatever my fucking name is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but super, hint, the, the super uh, yeah, hitman. The, the final boss. The final boss sneaks up behind him, and apparently the only thing that can kill uh, Tony Montana is a shotgun in the back. And he shotguns him in the back, and Tony goes through the railing, and hits the fountain in, down below that sits at the statue of the world is yours that Tony got made up because I guess he likes yeah, that. He's very fond of that. That expression. And they pan around the final shot of Tony in the water and everybody's leaving. And I guess count the count's going to continue business as usual. <laughs> And uh, everybody's dead except for, I guess, Elvira, who managed to flee. The end. Oh, and dedicated to Howard Hawks and Ben Hecht because we wanted to drag their good names <laughs> yeah, to the dirt. Right. I'm sure they appreciated it. Ugh, Steve? Well. How did you feel about Scarface 1983? <laughs> At least it had a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> How many times during the during the movie did you think, man, wouldn't it be great if this guy just got shot like 20 times? I literally, literally, I wanted that last boss when he's looking down at Tony's body in the pond. This is the first time I've ever wished this. I wanted him to unzip and piss <laughs> yes. on the corpse. That's the only way that that ending could have gotten yeah. better. Uh, and, I mean... I, I don't enjoy this movie. Um, I know that it has some relatively high-profile admirers. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's be- it's become, like, a cultural touchstone for God knows what reason. 
Uh, certainly not any reasons yeah. that would be very flattering to our culture. <laughs> I know that I know people who like it for its excess, for its over yeah. the topness, um, you know, for its ridiculous level of violence and all of that other stuff. But the problem is, is that you get the feeling that the filmmakers felt that they were making like a, a serious film. Yeah, yeah. There's that, but yeah, because. The the ending would seem to suggest like the, it was meant as kind of like a, a morality play, or like you know see all right. see what happens, you know. These are the wages yeah. of sin. But yeah, they needed a preacher to come out like in the old thirties movie, going, he never understood that with without God's love, no matter how much cocaine he did, <laughs> he tampered in God's cocaine. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they they were they were trying at least in in that late stage to try and muster some sort of a moral for it. But I mean, yeah, I, I Tony's not he's just not a nice character to spend almost three hours with. And no, he's he not. doesn't really have any kind of an arc at all. Uh, he has no arc. He has no redeeming no. qualities other than the one that they kind of pasted yeah. on there, which is all of a sudden I don't want to kill kids and children, you know, women, wives and stuff. Yeah. Like, really? No women, no kids? That's your policy? Oh, and I wanted to give my mom a thousand dollars. Yeah. She wouldn't even take it, that bitch. <laughs> she didn't want his blood money. What the fuck was her problem? <sighs> yeah. It's just, I mean. I understand when people say like you know they like that it had a certain style or you know I mean it's not a it's not a poorly made film necessarily but no. uh yeah I just I the, the thing that, that to me that is the worst about it is mm-hmm. I just don't care about anything that happens in it it's just it's not yeah. necessarily boring but I just I have no emotional stake in anything that happens other than feeling a no. little bit of glee when Tony dies just because he's been such a son of a bitch for the whole movie. Right. But that's right. not really I don't think that I mean it doesn't mean I was attached to him. It means I found him to be a terrible character and it's nice that the filmmakers yeah. saw fit to kill him before they ended the movie. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, one of the things is is that, uh, of course, most people know that this is a remake from um, Howard Hawks's and Ben Brex and Howard Hughes's um, original Scarface. Right. And the intent from that original Scarface movie was literally, Howard Hughes says, I want a tabloid movie about gangsters. So he wanted it violent and over the top, and he really wanted to push limits and all of this other stuff for the original Scarface. Right. And it did that. It made... It made Howard Hughes buckets full of money, right? And I kind of think maybe that's what they were going for because they were trying to push limits and do this kind of tabloid thing and and really kind of be almost to the point of being an exploitation film um, with this film. So it can... I mean, if you turn off a lot of your morals, (laughs) you can enjoy this film for the garish, over-the-top ridiculous movie that yeah. it is because it is it is a ridiculous movie and uh, and I can understand people enjoying it for that kind of value that kind of kitsch value the problem is is that there is enough in this movie that is offensive yeah 
that I can't overlook. I can't just disregard it as, oh, that's that's because it was made in 1983. People in 1983 knew that they were being offensive yeah. in 1983. You can't you can't just say, ah, it you was know, a different time. In 1983, we all assumed that Cubans were criminals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of Cuban Americans when this movie came out. That were like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I mean, that was, and to a large extent remains, like, the big knock against this movie. Is that mm-hmm. there's, the, I mean, virtually, I think other than maybe Tony's mother, <laughs> like, every Cuban character <laughs> in this movie is a horrible murderer. I think, uh, <coughs> excuse me, one of the guys who arrests Tony is Cuban because he says you call yourself a Cuban American so so there's that one note of indignation (laughs) yeah there's that one note of indignation and uh, but other than that there's not a whole lot because every single white person that we meet pretending to be Cuban (laughs) is um, some sort of criminal some sort of moral degenerate of of one kind or another and um that's kind of, you know, a lot of people like to say, that, well, it's like The Godfather wasn't good for Italians. And they don't understand that one of the reasons why The Godfather has such an allure is that they gave the characters in The Godfather a morality about yeah. them that they adhered to. They had a code that they kind of followed. And specifically in, with uh, with Marlon Brando's character. Marlon Brando's character was more concerned about his family and making sure they succeed and the tragedy that his son is now following in his footsteps, which is what he didn't want. And that there is an understanding that he's an awful person, you know, (laughs) that he's done awful things and everything that he's worked for is kind of falling apart and he's losing his family. That there's a, there's a, there's tragedy in that. We don't have any of that. These are people with no moral compass. And no more real moral compulsion to be good. They're just trying to get on top and be the richest. And, you know, when 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 Tony says, first you get the, what is it? First you get the then money. Then you get the then power. Then you get the power. Then you get the women. That's it. That's that. <laughs> and then is you're set. the morality of, yeah, then you're set. And then you get killed by a small army sent to you by a Bolivian vampire. <laughs> and then, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, there's a good life. <laughs> oh, you can I, have a worse life. a lot of coke. <laughs> <laughs> there's some political things thrown in. Like the whole, the government is, you know, because Oliver Stone can't help himself. Um, <laughs> about the government being involved with the the Bolivian uh, cocaine They're trade. They're in bed with Count Sosa. Yeah, they're in bed with Count Sosa. And... Uh, but other than that, I mean, but that's just it's used as a as a plot device. It's not really that's not what this movie is about. Yeah, no, it's it, not at all. It doesn't. There are no good characters to latch onto and care about. There's no and you don't care about Michelle Pfeiffer because she she's making her own bed. Right. She goes from and quite honestly, there isn't that much bad about Frank. Frank, it doesn't beat her up. Frank doesn't insult her. She goes out of her way to insult <laughs> Frank and his friends and his lifestyle and everything about him. But Frank's kind of like, I don't care. I'm drinking it. I, <laughs> I got a literally lotion. <laughs> I love children playing baseball. 
Um, you know, it, this is, you know, you compare this to, say, like, um, Traffic. Oh, yeah. When Traffic came out. Where they had to balance the, what could be potentially looked at, the, the only Mexican characters in Traffic were all going to be drug dealers. And they had to find, but they went out of their way to find characters like uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, who's a good guy. Right. Who's a good Who's a good man and fighting for what he believes in, in a corrupt system, and so we can latch on to him and we can we can we can um, care about what that character goes through. None of these people I give any. You're sitting through a movie and you're like, I don't care about any of these people. Am I just supposed to sit back and let this movie wash <laughs> over me and then when it's over, go well that was violent fun for two yeah. hours. But the problem is, you know, I I don't I don't enjoy pointless violence, you no. know, and 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 I don't. I'm trying to see if there was an underlying thing that this movie was trying to say, you know, like the corruption of the American dream or whatever. They didn't hit those points hard enough to let me know that that's what they were trying to say. No, not at all. And when they do touch on those larger themes it's always in the most obvious way possible like what tony's Mm -hmm. mama yelled at him at the end of their final scene i mean (laughs) it's like well shit why not you know why not just put that on the poster but i mean even when she yells that at the end that's not that's not um addressing a larger theme that's not addressing like a societal theme or or the the nature of the drug trade that's just about that character a character that we don't know anything about because he lies about himself constantly and we have no idea what actually no. drives him and it, nothing whatsoever and, and the movie doesn't uh, uh cultivate a sense of like mystery around him like oh i wonder what the story really is he he just yeah. comes off there's as an no, asshole there's no fall from grace it's not some good guy who gets roped into drug into the world of drugs and he's doing what he has to and then he gets corrupted and then dies right. at the end. That's a story arc for a character. That doesn't happen. He's a murderous, evil person at the beginning and he ends as a murderous, evil person at the end. And the only difference is, is that he has money at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's it. And that's not compelling. That's not, you know... I'm not saying that he had to be an angel at the beginning, no. but a stronger, but a stronger story arc would have been because he was treated like a criminal by the larger world. He became one. right. That's that's a compelling story. That's a com- that speaks to larger issues. They weren't interested in that. No, it seems like they weren't interested in the Tony character at all. Other than he walks around, he kills people, and he's got a big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think you hit on something that I, I thought about this too, because it's it's difficult not to compare this movie, at least superficially, to the Godfather films because they have the same lead, and they're both gangster movies, yeah. and you know, yeah. and this was sort of um, Pacino's first really big, like you know, gangster movie where he was playing you know a criminal after he did the first two Godfathers. After he did the, this whole movie was his idea. Yeah. He saw the original Scarface and thought this we should be able to remake this. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, so it's 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 hard to avoid comparing them. And I think the the reason why for me and for I think for a lot of people, 
why the Godfather movies, or the first two anyway, uh, work, and 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 at least for me and, and for you, Scarface doesn't, is that Michael's story in The Godfather is, is, a, is fall a fall from, from grace. grace and is a tragedy. And we yeah. we feel for Michael because and Michael is is aware and has people around him like his wife or uh, Kay uh, who tell mm-hmm. him that he is going that his life is going the wrong way you know like his his father yeah. even says you know I didn't want this for you you were supposed to be the clean one you were supposed to be the one who was right. going to be a senator and so it's sad when Michael becomes the Godfather he has an he he has an arc right. he has a tragic story and yeah with, with Tony mm-hmm. there's just nothing he starts. There's no, you know, there's nothing there. Originally, this movie went to uh, Sidney Pollock, and the original treatment was this was it was going to be more about the political side yeah. of it, more about America's involvement in the drug trade and how dirty politically all that stuff was. And they went, no, no, no. They literally made this movie to concentrate on the shit that's in this movie, yeah. and so it's kind of like. It's kind of like we made this candy movie where it has no impact on anything and it's just about asshole dude kills his way to the top and then gets killed. And there's no compelling side stories. There's nothing There's nothing there to, to inf- inform you of anything else other than, oh, wow, I wish I could be like, I guess this is the feeling. I wish I could be more like Tony. You know, he may have been wrong, but at least he, he was honest. Yeah. And I was like, you had a lot of money. There's nothing redeemable or, you know, aspirational about no, Tony. Not at all. Which makes it even, it's it's dismaying that Tony has become sort of a role model for people. to That he or, people do yeah. take him as aspirational, even though, they, they must not watch to the end of the movie. That's the only thing I can figure. <laughs> No, that's part of that. That's part of the thing. They 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 have this heroic idea that you you stand up in front of all your enemies while they, well, you know, when he becomes the bu- the bullet yeah. sponge and he's just like he's still railing against the world and nothing can take him down no matter how many bullets. That's how they want to. That's how they want to view right. their death. Is like, oh yeah, I want to be a stand up guy <laughs> like Tony was, and it's kind of like number one, he would have died. At, he would have been on the ground after the full first bullet. Yeah, and number two, he probably would have started crying, peeing himself. <laughs> And begging, to please not don't be kill killed. me. Yeah. And the other thing is, if that's the moral, if the moral is, you know, to stand up in front of your enemies and you know, tell them, "Dad, take your best shot." So the moral then is, it's okay to be an idiot as long as you're such an idiot that you get yourself gruesomely killed. Not just yourself, everyone <laughs> yes, around. Yes, him. absolutely. Everyone around him is all. Everybody's dead. Um, you know, so it's it's. I don't know. There's there's. Uh, there are other gang films out there. And this has made it to like the top five yeah. gang yeah. films of all time uh, for the American Film Institute and a whole bunch of others because they allowed open voting. And I guess people found out and they're like, we got to make sure that Scarface is in there. And I'm 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 not going to say it's baffled because I can see how this can appeal to certain people on a very visceral level. How they can see this guy as he doesn't take shit from nobody and you know he gets to the top and anyone that's involved in the uh cocaine business or uh doing drugs or who's involved in the mob will tell you that someone with a mouth like tony gets killed almost yeah. immediately yeah you they're like oh yeah um you 
don't you're not going to work out in this organization. Yeah. The loudmouth hothead. He's who we want. He's yeah. who we want to put our yeah. trust in. There's a moment right at the beginning of the film when he first first meets Omar in which he starts talking back to Omar and Omar reaches for his gun. Right. In reality, Omar would have pulled out his gun, shot him and left and that would have been the end, end of, of the Tony's movie. story. The end of Tony's story. And that would have been a more realistic depiction of what happens to people who who act like he does. Openly hitting in front of your boss's girlfriend yeah. is not a smart move, but he does it and he, he gets away with it in the context of the film. So you can see why some people are like, oh, well, yeah, he's he's super cool. Yeah. You know, he's super awesome. He He really laid it out for this girl and told her she needs to be fucked and she totally... Dug him yeah, that. <laughs> like just like in real life. Um, so, uh, yes. Would you recommend Scarface? I, if you love violent, cynical, joyless movies, um, uh, I would. It's it's the same sort of half-ass recommendation I give a lot of these movies. If you've never seen it and you want to be able to get the jokes that people make about it. And if you want to yeah. get what the inspiration for about 90% of uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City was. Uh, yeah, if you want a deeper appreciation of the video games that you play, yeah, you should probably watch this movie. If you want to know what all those rappers are going on about. <laughs> <laughs> then you should probably see yeah, the movie. But other, on its own, like... But if you want a fun mm, night out, there, no, I mean, no. like you say, when you... There are so many other crime movies, so many other mob mm-hmm. movies, gang movies that uh, have just as much style and just as much artistry as this movie has, but also have much yeah. more to say uh, and yeah. aren't just pointless exercises in excess and bloodshed. <laughs> uh, so no, yeah. on its own as a movie, I, I don't, you know what? I don't care what Martin Scorsese says. I don't like this movie. <laughs> I'm not recommending it as a movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here. Late seating says, fuck you, Martin Scorsese. Fuck you. What have you done for me lately? How much money did Tony put in your pocket for you to say that? You know, I think he only he only likes this movie because he knows that if people watch this and then watch Goodfellas right after it, then Goodfellas will look even oh, better. Oh yeah, even better. How can the, nothing can make Goodfellas? That's true. Better Goodfellas is pretty than, close to perfect than, as it is. Yeah, um, I'm going to say pretty much the same thing. If you have not seen this and you want to know what all the jokes are about and who you know. When people reference this film, then yeah, you should probably see it because it has become a pop culture yeah. touchstone for a number of people. If you are seeing this movie to, you know, have a good time or even going in expecting it to be a drama that that fulfills you uh, uh, like like The Godfather did or Goodfellas did or Casino did or um, any number of other mob films did you're not going to get that. You're not getting complete characters. You're getting a lot of one note characters that do things that don't make any sense at all. Um, mainly they're doing it because the script says so. Remember, they're also basing this on an original script, um, by Ben Brecht, uh, Ben Brecht back. Yeah. Um, from the original Scarface in the 1930s. So there's a lot that's pulled from that. A lot of the plot points are pulled from that. 
Um, but the characters that they put in to replace the ones from the original 1930s film don't fit this plot structure. Yeah. And, you know, you don't get any kind of you don't get any real emotional satisfaction unless by the end of the movie you're really rooting for Tony to die. <laughs> and that's an amazing thing to have in a film where you you're you're waiting for the main character to bite it so that you can be you can be satisfied that he's that he's dead and you wanted to see him go down in a hail of bullets. <laughs> you know, there have been other crime movies where the main characters died at the end and you were sad. <laughs> Butch and Sundance died at the end. They were they were robbers, and when they died at the end, people were upset. <laughs> if you were upset that Tony died, you are probably not. You should you, you should not be free in society. <laughs> if, if the death of Tony Montana makes you sad in any way, you probably are a bomb waiting to go off. I mean, the other thing, the other thing about this movie is, is that it would have, you know, the movie would have had even more impact if Tony had lived. That's oh, a yeah. statement. If Tony had lived, survived the assault, and wound up still on top after all of that, that's a statement of ruthlessness. Right. But instead, we get this kind of tacked on, you know, wages of sin <laughs> kind of. Well, Billy, it's wrong to murder people and sell cocaine. <laughs> Eventually, you just get machine gunned to death by rival gangs. <laughs> and so the circle of life continues to turn. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, I'm going to recommend it for culture stuff, but not as like a like a straightforward, this is something you need to see to be complete as a film nah, yeah don't 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 listen nah. to those afi lists kids <laughs> this one, if you ain't seen it you don't have to run out and see it so now it's time for us to recommend something that we liked and we want other people to see steve <laughs> what are you gonna recommend i am recommending actually um a a gangster movie from a, the same time period as that original Scarface was, but I'm not recommending the original Scarface. I'm recommending what, to the minds of many people, is maybe the first really great, uh, or at least really noteworthy, Hollywood gangster movie, and that is The Public Enemy, starring oh, starring cool. James Cagney in his mm-hmm. I, I, his breakout role, um, mm-hmm. and in it. Top yeah, absolutely. Though. This is that movie. And in addition <laughs> to Cagney, there's also Gene Harlow and Joan Blondell. There's a really great cast of mm-hmm. 1930s Hollywood actors. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, great old school Hollywood gangster movie names that sound like they come from Dick Tracy mm-hmm. comics, like Nails Nathan or Putty Nose. <laughs> I always love the character named Putty Nose. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's a very brisk 83 minutes running time. Um, it mm-hmm. is one of the most influential uh, crime films in the history of American cinema. Uh, You'll never eat grapefruit. Yeah, the, same the grapefruit way scene is legendary. <laughs> and yeah, I'm recommending if whether you liked Scarface or not. If you if you uh, if you didn't like Scarface and you would like to get that taste out of your mouth, I would recommend The Public Enemy. If you liked Scarface and you would like to see what a good gangster movie looks like, I would recommend The Public Enemy. So there you go. 
Oh, good. Uh, I'm gonna uh, re- I'm gonna uh, recommend um, any of the Bugs Bunny cartoons that has Bugsy in it, <laughs> the the diminutive uh, uh, mobster and his giant henchman. That's it. Bye, everybody. I'm done. I can't think of gangster movies anymore. <laughs> Uh, man, no, uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to recommend the original mm. Scarface, um, and granted, the original Scarface that has what Paul yeah. Mooney and uh, uh, Boris Karloff is in it, and um, you know it follows the same plot lines. They're still, you know, accidentally killing your best friend's sister's husband without knowing it and um, shootouts and people dying and it was very exploitive at that time um, so it, it's kind of like I'm not going to say it's the greatest gangster film of all time but it did kind of kick off the entire gangster yeah. craze that started because they kind of recreate the Valentine's Day Massacre in in the original Scarface um, and it ostensibly follows the same storyline, except now it's uh, Chicago, and um, they're following a fictitious guy um, as he moves moves through the ranks, just like with Tony Montoya. And you know, there's the nightclub, the Babylon, and there's shootouts and best friends and murder, and he dies at the end, and yet the world is yours is in there as well. Um, but th- I would argue that that's a more important movie than this Scarface because this one gave birth to the genre. This is literally the uh, producer set out and said, I want to make a lot of money and I want to do it by uh, exploiting gangsters and the violence inherent with gangsters that's in the media all over the place. And they went, okay. And that's exactly what they did. This movie is not the, you know, the new, the, the 83 Scarface is not breaking new yeah. ground. It's it's not even an homage to that to this original film, and there are funny weird bits in the original Scarface. There's some slapsticky moments <laughs> during heinous scenes of violence <laughs> in the original Scarface. But um, when I watch that one, I you know I enjoy the movie. I en- I enjoy it more. So if you haven't seen the original Scarface, I'm sure you can find it free just about anywhere. Yeah. You can find it on, on YouTube or something like that and you can watch it and you'll watch it and you'll be like, yeah, you know what? Jason really doesn't like anything that's been made in the last 20 years. He only likes black and white films featuring all dead people. <laughs> Why do I listen to this podcast? <laughs> He's a grumpy old man. I would, there's, look, there's a ton of other movies you could see that I would recommend. Goodfellas, Casino, I mentioned yeah. them before. The Untouchables, which was also made by Brian De Palma. Um... Uh, Muggsy Malone that's the one where it's yeah. a bunch of kids playing playing gangsters that's a real movie people like it up uh, yes he's he's telling the truth I can confirm that this movie exists someone in Hollywood said let's make a 30s gangster film but have it start children <laughs> <laughs> and instead of shooting each other they have pie yes. fights and then they did five more rails of coke, and, <laughs> and they made the movie. When they woke up five, when they woke up five weeks later, they're like, "What? A, what did we do? Just, what have we done?" Just cans of finished film reels on their desks, and like, "Holy shit! Why is Scott Bayo here? Did we? <laughs> did you guys actually make that movie? Oh my god!" <laughs> 
We have to get distribution <laughs> for this. Uh, all right, that's it. Did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Are you angry? Are you going to set a hit out on us? Please don't tell the Bolivian They didn't like the movie. Did. <laughs> that was the story of my father. <laughs> if you if you have a movie you want to recommend, then leave it down below in the comment section or send it to me at Jason with a D at gmail.com or you know, if you agreed with us or disagreed with us or uh, you think we're way off the mark, we don't we'll read it. We're not We we know these are just our opinions, dude. We're not going to get all violent and chainsaw you <laughs> or anything like that. But that's it. I'm done. I want to lay down and take an aspirin. I'm finished. I don't want to see this movie ever again. We're going <laughs> to... Even though I just recommended it. We're going to put it in the vault. <laughs> put it in the yes, Disney why vault. Why can't this movie be in the Disney vault? They can release it like for two weeks every <laughs> ten years. I'm going to kill that mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Starface the ride at Disneyland. <sighs> so until next time for late seating, this has been Jason. And this has Arden. been Steve Shives. You're supposed to end with a quote from the I'm movie, gonna dude. do that. Now? You want me to? I had a thing. Hey, sorry. I'm the boss. Hey. <laughs> I I know we were talking about kind of a shitty movie, but I really enjoy this podcast, you know? In fact, this podcast is paradise. It's like a great big pussy just waiting to get fucked. <laughs> At least we ended uh, on fucked. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs>